Please be seated. <coughs> the gospel gives us Jesus requiring that we give, forgive 77 times in this translation that you heard, but in other translations, the Greek comes through in English as 70 times seven, in other words, 490 times. He apparently wanted us predisposed to be forgiving people. It's a pretty straightforward requirement, and the first century church believed that it possessed the power of the Holy Spirit of God to actually accomplish such things. The 20 centuries after the earthly Jesus taught this lesson, in that time, crimes so heinous have been committed that counseling forgiveness may feel somewhat beside the point. Think, for instance, of the millions dead due to Stalin's murderous purges. Or recall what the Nazis and their collaborators did in killing millions of Jews along with disabled people and so-called homosexuals. Being predisposed as a forgiving person is great, and we should all be that, but some crimes compel not so much forgiveness as our deepest and most vigorous protest. On a Sunday when forgiveness is in focus, I'd like to examine a tough real-life case. Consider the African slave trade and the generations-long damage resulting from it to millions of women, men, and children ever since. Cheap labor that they were and are for further enriching the dominant class. I'd like to tell a true story that you may recognize. Its features lead to a conclusion on the subject of forgiveness that I find refreshingly free of sentimentality and stunningly honest. This is about the Amistad uprising, which Steven Spielberg made into a movie in 1997. Perhaps you saw it. The facts include these. In February 1839, Portuguese slave traders seized a group of Mende, women, men, and children from Sierra Leone on Africa's west coast and transported them to Havana, long a hub of the slave trade. The Tecora took them across the Atlantic, tightly packed in an unventilated hold, 
chained head to toe for at least a month, or it could have been six months, depending upon the winds. The slaves were stripped and bound in groups of five. When supplies ran low or diseases spread, 30 to 40 were chained together with a heavy weight. The weight was pushed overboard, dragging the people under the waves forever. Typically, about a third of slaves on ships, like the Tekora, died from diseases, malnutrition, or beatings en route to the Americas. And that horrified observer of slavery, Dr. David Livingston, wrote of the emotional suffering of such people. The strangest disease I have ever seen, he said, seems to be brokenheartedness, and it attacks free people who have been captured and made slaves. I said these enslaved were Mende people. To put some familiar faces on them, you might like to know that in our time, Americans of Mende descent include Maya Angelou, Lou Gossett, Coretta Scott King, Andrew Young, and Oakland Congresswoman Barbara Lee. From a legal perspective, anyway, enslaving people who had been free in their own country and then shipping them elsewhere as slaves violated every applicable treaty that existed in 1839. When the Tekora arrived in Havana, 53 Africans, including three girls and one boy, were purchased by two Spanish planters, Ruiz and Montez by name, and put on the Cuban schooner Amistad. The word means friendship. For further shipment to a Caribbean sugar plantation, one of the Africans would become known to history as Joseph Sinke. Joseph was about 25 years old at the time of his capture and enslavement. He was a rice farmer and father of three children. According to one version of what happened next, the Amistad's cook told the slaves that they would be cannibalized at the schooner's destination. Another account says that one slave found a rusty file that all used to free themselves from their shackles. On July the 1st, the Africans rose up, killed the ship's captain and cook, and ordered Ruiz and Montez to sail the Amistad back to Africa. 
the schooner headed toward that continent, but most nights it changed course and headed north toward the United States, where the Spaniards hoped to be intercepted by a Spanish ship. On August the 24th, the Amistad was seized off Montauk, Long Island, by a U.S. Navy brig. The Spaniards were freed and the Africans imprisoned in New Haven, Connecticut, on charges that included mutiny and murder. They remained in custody for two more years as various claims were made against them by Ruiz, Montez, and even by the captain of the Navy vessel. U.S. President Martin Van Buren agitated for their conviction. Former President John Quincy Adams represented them before the Supreme Court of the United States, arguing that the accused had every right to fight to defend themselves from kidnap and enslavement, being free people of their country. And finally, in 1841, they were released and allowed to return to Africa. Of the 53 originally held on the Amistad, 18 had died at sea and as prisoners awaiting trial. The 35 survivors made it back to their homes and families in Sierra Leone a year later. Some accounts have Sinke working in his home country for a time as a translator for Christian missionaries. In 1879, the year of his dying and death, he requested of those missionaries and received a Christian burial. Now about forgiveness. Sinke was once asked if, as a new Christian, he would still kill the Amistad's captain and cook, or would he instead pray for them? He replied, I would pray for them and kill them too. Some here may disagree with me, which is fine, but consider that a reply like Sinke's may be perfectly justified given the crimes to which he and the others were subjected by indifferent profiteers without mercy and without remorse. I would pray for them and kill them too. It is absurd for the indifferent to presume forever the forgiveness of the oppressed and exploited. 
for those on the bottom, justice always trumps forgiveness. The issue was and still is, how will we all live as one nation while the rich get richer and the enslaved or today the great-great-grandchildren of the enslaved, among others, fall further and further and further behind. I would pray for them and kill them too. That was and is an alarm. As resonant as the insistence upon justice from the Hebrew prophets of the Bible. If the indifferent cared enough to build a more just society for all, we might have earned the right to hope for forgiveness. <laughs>